It's a privilege to be here this morning with you and opening the scriptures and sharing communion together. What a, what a blessed day to be a lover of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would, if you would want to turn with me, please turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament, the very first chapter. And I'm going to read verses 18 through 25, and uh, we're familiar with this. I hope you've read some of these texts, these Christmas texts, this time of year at home as a family. Listen very carefully. This is the Word of God. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Most precious name that we can ever utter now and for all of eternity. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we love you. We are grateful for the scriptures you've given to us. Thank you for your blessed spirit abiding with us. May he illuminate our hearts and our minds and open the scriptures to us uh, as if we were one-on-one with you and you were speaking to us about our own lives and our faith and our commitments and our obedience and the work you've given to each one of us. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for the scriptures. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. My wife and I are grandparents, and if you would like to talk about grandchildren, we'd love to talk with you, but I won't take too much time. Uh, We were expecting to leave uh, uh, tomorrow morning to drive to Tucson, Arizona, where our daughter, son-in-law, and uh, their little boy, Andrew, resides. She's pregnant with their second child, And uh, we don't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl, but she's going in on Wednesday to find out. We thought, how exciting. We get to be there, and we get to find out, is it a boy or a girl? And then we begin to talk about the names and and all that kind of stuff. But we got a text yesterday afternoon saying, sorry, but dad is sick. Can we postpone it? Oh, bummer. But that's okay. We're going to go. We're already planning on when we're going to actually go later on. The whole process is a blessing, is fun, especially for grandparents. 
and uh, we are enjoying it uh, to the max. But when you think about this text that we have read and the news that uh, uh, Joseph discovered, it wasn't initially such a, a joy and a blessing to hear he thought his wife pregnant and they hadn't consummated the marriage. And yet the blessed theme of our text uh, ultimately uh, shines bright and true. From Joseph's heart-wrenching discovery of his wife's condition emerges the glorious announcement of the coming Messiah. Now the context here, you, you notice that Matthew uh, uh, writes a genealogy uh, there are three different groups in this genealogy from Abraham all the way down to the Christ. We see in the genealogy as we read and study it, the faithfulness of God, the covenant love and faithfulness uh, to his people. But we also see, if you look at the names in the list and you know something about their names, we see the depravity and the sinfulness of man. And yet, Christ's name is the last one on the list, and he is not, as the writer to the Hebrews says, not ashamed to call them brethren. So according to uh, the lineage of David, all the way from Abraham through David to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we see the name of Joseph uh, in this list as well. Jesus, how precious is that name. Joseph's not thinking that, though, and we come to point number one of the sermon, Joseph's heart-wrenching discovery. Uh, the Spirit says to us through Matthew's pen, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. But at the beginning, Joseph didn't know that. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. You see, betrothal was a pledge of commitment made in front of witnesses. They had already gone through that. The woman is still living at home. The bride and groom are not intimate and Joseph is called here in verse 19, her husband. And it's implied that she's his wife in verse 20. But he discovers something. Uh, he found uh, that uh, she is with child. And what questions, uh, what struggles, what would go through uh, a husband's uh, heart and mind, the implications of what he thought he had discovered, it wasn't true. She was with child, but she was not an immoral woman. She was an upright woman of God, and God had set her apart to be the one to carry his son into this world. We read about her in Luke chapter 1, and coming uh, in... This is Gabriel now. He said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. 
And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, amazing news, and Mary very humbly asked the question, how can this be? I've never known a man. And he explains in that marvelous verse in chapter 1, verse 35, about the Holy Spirit coming upon you, overshadowing you, and the one who is going to be born of you will be called the Son of God. You will name him Jesus. Amazing news. But you see, at the moment, this is a huge test of Joseph's character, of his love for his wife, of his love and profession of faith in the Lord. You just stop and think about the shock if you enter yourself personally into that kind of a situation. The hurt, the anger, the disappointment, and and the grief, all of these hopes and plans seem to be dashed on the rocks. And it says Joseph is considering now, uh, what should I do? He's described here as a righteous man, as a just man. Now in Old Testament law, in Deuteronomy 22, it says there that there should be, or there can be, there may be a public trial, and if the person's found guilty, they will be executed. Uh, In chapter 24 of Deuteronomy, uh, the man may write, if the woman is impure, unfaithful, may write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And at that moment, that is what he is considering. He, verse 19, does not want to put her to shame And he resolves to divorce her quietly. It's like, what else can I do? I guess this is what I'm going to have to do. But he still loves Mary. But he's considering these things. The angel speaks to him in a dream. And he says, Joseph. And then he describes him by these words, son of David. He is a godly man. He is a righteous man. He is a a doer of the word, like David, King David himself. And uh, he's wrestling with these thoughts of anger, of frustration, and all that would go with it in being human. And just like King David, who wrestled with being treated unfairly by King Saul, running for his life over a number of of years, having a different and and a number of opportunities to take Saul out if he wanted to, he, he could have. And it's interesting how King Saul describes David during these times. He said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have dealt well with me while I have dealt wickedly with you. You've declared today that you have done good to me, that the Lord delivered me into your hand, and yet you did not kill me. David could have been bitter, angry, revengeful. Why are you ruining my life? But he committed himself to the Lord and did what the Lord called him to do. And the same 
is the response of Joseph. It's a marvelous and wonderful response of humility, of turning one's emotions and feelings and thoughts and whole life over to the Lord, trusting in the Word of God and walking in it. You know, we face many frustrations and difficulties in this world. And if you are sinned against and you are innocent, it is the most difficult thing to bear. Maybe you know very specifically what I'm talking about. And yet the writer to the Hebrews warns us against bitterness and anger. In Hebrews chapter 12, and the context is one of of discipline unto holiness, unto a holy life, uh, the writer writes in Hebrews 12, 14, he says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. There's grace there at that moment to enable you, Joseph, and to enable you and I to do the right thing. Don't fall short of that grace, he says. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That's one of many reasons why we ought to pray for our enemies. It's a protection for our own hearts because we can become so angry and so embittered toward them. Uh, We have, as a family, gone through some difficult times over the last number of years, and God has been gracious and kind to us, and we've had to uh, again and again ask forgiveness and ask for his power and his love and his grace to do what is right before him. It's hard to be hurt. But we find out also about Joseph that he is a man of faith and obedience. The angel of the Lord uh, speaks to him in verses 20 and 21 and tells him what's taken place here. He says, He considered these things, what he ought to do, and the angel appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Wow. Don't hesitate. Don't be afraid. You don't have to go the other way. You don't have to put her away quietly. She is your wife and will remain your wife. But here is what has taken place. She's a pure and holy, upright woman of God. Take her to be your wife. The baby in her womb and this is such an incredible mystery, uh, is conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. Wow. You know, what she heard from the angel was a wow, and what he is hearing in the dream is the same 
thing, and they ponder these things. You read about the life of Mary, and there's not a lot in Scripture on her life, but you'll read at different times, and she pondered and she thought about these amazing things. And you know what? This time of year, it's a wonderful time of year to stop and to think about Jesus and his coming into the world and what that means. Not just for the world, but specifically for your life and, and for my life and what our calling is in telling others about him. She will bear a son, and you will name him Jesus, which means Savior. Wow. It was a common name in those days, and so oftentimes when uh, Jesus was referred to, it was always Jesus of Nazareth, because there were various Jesuses. But his name to Christians is a name that is just set apart in our hearts in the most special way. No other name should have a place in your heart and mind the way the name of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, should have. So Joseph takes in this glorious mystery, and he he contemplates these things before and after the angel speaks to him, and he does a, a, a 180, and goes way over here now, and he's excited, but he, he can't even begin to comprehend what this might mean. But God gives him the grace to believe, and so he does. The great Augustine once said, I believe, therefore I understand. I believe first the word of God, God says it, Uh, That's unchanging. It's true. I don't understand it, but understanding will come as I believe it and as I walk in it. And the result is joy and peace in believing. Wow. What relief. He thought his life had ended, and then he gets this news, amazing news. God enables him to embrace it and to take it in. How relieved he is for Mary, for their marriage. And he's beginning to see that God has entered the world in Jesus Christ. What a blessed relief for the people of God. Salvation has come. And so he obeyed the word that he was given. He took her as his wife, and he protected her and provided for her. But you really hear nothing else about Joseph. Uh, I think at some point the Lord took him home. He accomplished what God wanted him to accomplish. They raised a family. Jesus had brothers and sisters. Joseph was a faithful man. He kept her a virgin. He showed self-control. Uh, And he named him Jesus. He submitted uh, to what he was told about the name of this child. God uses righteous, trusting, obedient Christians. We're not perfect. But oh, uh, in Jesus Christ, he has set us apart to serve God. And our righteousness is the righteousness of Christ given to us as a free gift received by faith alone. So, what's in a name? What's the big deal about a name? Well, 
Uh, it's everything in the scriptures' names. And uh, it's a big deal to, to young parents and uh, to grandparents and, and to the family what the baby is going to be named. We were going to do that in person. Oh, well, we'll do it in a couple of months, I guess. But what's in a name? Well, point number two. The angel's life-changing message. The child should be called Jesus. It means, very simply, Savior. It's the same name as Old Testament Joshua or Jeshua, who was uh, well-known, learning under Moses and then stepping in to his shoes as Moses takes the Lord as the Lord takes Moses into heaven, Joshua leads the people of God to victory in the promised land. Remember at Jericho when those walls came tumbling down and Israel won that great victory over that huge city. The scripture says the Lord was with Joshua. His fame was in all the land. The angel tells us why he bears this name, right there in our text. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. And can you in your heart say amen to that, knowing that he has saved you from all of your sins? If not, then you need to come to know and to believe in and to trust in and to yield to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus saves us from the guilt of sin by washing it away through his precious blood. Uh, people of the world don't like that idea of, this, uh, of blood washing sin away, but the Bible says that the life is in the blood, and Jesus gave his life and, and, and spilled his precious blood that our sins might be removed as far as the east is from the west. Covered. And so when God sees you, you stand in the righteousness of Christ. And he says, come into the holy of holies as my child. Talk with me. Walk with me. I will care for you. I will show you marvelous and wonderful things. They're beyond us now, but those who enter into glory are already rejoicing and the goodness of God. Jesus' work upon the cross takes care of the dominion of sin. When one becomes a Christian, the indwelling spirit comes to dwell with us, and he begins to work in our hearts and minds, opening the scriptures and giving us a desire after holiness, after obedience. And so, how's that going? And we, if we're honest, say, well, we we stumble in so many ways, Lord. And yet his love and mercy and grace is there right with you, enabling you, enabling me to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. He will, when we leave this world, remove sin from us completely, from the very presence of sin We will know it no more. How blessed is that? That's one of the many reasons why we ought to, yes, long for heaven and uh, 
be ready, be ready to see the face of the Lord. And then from all the consequences of sin, his death has taken care of them. And the biggest consequence of sin is what? Our death. Uh, We're getting older. Uh, The prayer today of so many that are hurting from cancer and other maladies, the struggle and the pain and the difficulties that we know, uh, those are the consequences of Adam's fall. And we have fallen in him. And therefore, uh, what will he do? He will give us a brand new, spiritual, powerful body that will be able to live forever with him in glory. Now, the name of Jesus emphasizes the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. What? Yes. He's fully, fully man. Come into this world. He understands you and me. He knows what temptation is. He knows what physical weakness is, tiredness and pain. He knows all these things. He's come here. And he's joined our race without sin perfectly. And he lived a life of righteousness. So he could look at the Pharisees and say, which one of you convicts me of sin? Name one. And no one said a word. John Newton expressed it in one of his hymns when he wrote, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. Well, if you're not a sinner, then you don't need a Savior. But if you've come to that conviction, and I hope you have by grace, I am very definitely a sinner, and I need a Savior, well, I can say to you with great confidence, the only name, that God accepts in glory, the only person that can bear your sin and take it away so that God will remove you, uh, remove all of it from you and bring you into his presence is Jesus. And so believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, receive him, give your heart and life to him and follow him, and he is a faithful savior. One final thought here. They shall call his name Emmanuel. That's the second statement from the angel. And Matthew inserts here in verse 23 a quote out of Isaiah 7:14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So hundreds of years before it took place, Uh, the prophet declared what was going to take place through the virgin, even Mary. A son, a human being, but a name that says God with us. The faithful covenant God takes on the nature of his people. He joins with us. He doesn't simply look uh, down on us and watch our lives. He's joined us. It's an amazing truth. God took on human form without sin. John writes in his gospel, 
in the first chapter. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. You see, the incarnation. Uh, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. Uh, in interviewing over the years uh, people for membership, I've asked the question, uh, where is Jesus now? And people will say, well, he's, he's in heaven at the right hand of God. And then I would follow that up and say, will you see him in his body or not? And a number of people kind of went, hmm, that's a good question. Is this a trick question? And I'd say, no, it's not a trick question. Will you see him or not? Will you? Yes. Yes, we'll see him. He's fully God and fully man. He's one person with two distinct, full natures. And that makes him the greatest and most perfect Savior of all. No one else could have saved us from our sins. Uh, Think of the implication as I conclude here. As a man, he is in our nature able to represent us before God. He didn't represent angels. He represented and represents human beings. He can do that because he has our nature. He's also able to sympathize with our weaknesses. We can't say God is way up there and he doesn't understand, because God came down from way up there and walked in this world and knows exactly what it is to be a human being, and Jesus knows that to this very moment. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your struggles, your pains, your sorrows, and he knows your joys and your happiness. He understands what it is to live in this world. But as God, and he's fully God, he's able to pay the infinite penalty for our sins. It's an incredible penalty. How many sins do we commit a day, even as believers in Christ, over a lifetime? Uh, And how many millions will be in glory? And yet, because he's God, He was able to take on all of our sins and say on the cross, it is finished. I've done it. I've accomplished it. He's able to perfect, to complete the work he began in us. There's not too much going on for him to be uh, an intimate Savior in your life, because He's God, He's capable of doing that, as if uh, you are the only one that He's looking out for. We're never without Him. He's not too busy. He, He doesn't lose patience with us so that He finally says, you know what, I have had enough of that, so why don't you just go over here for a while? We need a couple of quiet times. He doesn't do that. Because he's God. As God, he is truly the author and the finisher of your faith. So, beloved, to truly celebrate incarnation, to truly celebrate Christmas, 
is to acknowledge and worship the Savior, Jesus, who has saved you and me from our sins, and to worship and serve a God and a King who rules over all of us. So what's in a name? Well, everything when it's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, it is such a delight to say these things. It is wonderful to be a Christian, to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, to have a Savior that has taken care of all of my sins, not most of them, but every single one. So that we, by faith, stand before you even now as righteous and holy, not because of our performance, but because of Jesus' perfect life and perfect death upon the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Father, we praise you and we we thank you. May our children and our grandchildren come to know and love the Lord and the Savior that we, we serve. And we pray in Jesus' name always. Amen.